to another episode of Emerald Echo, a Green Lantern podcast, or for the purposes of every time we review this particular show, the Star Spangled Star Girl After Show. <laughs> I'm your host, Adam, as always, and with me as always is Donnie, the Emerald Enthusiast. Donnie, how are you, my friend? Hey, what's up, comic book fans? It's the man whose ring runs on fanboy energy, the podcasting machine, the big nerd in green. It is the Emerald Enthusiast here to talk to you about Stargirl Season 2, Episode 1, and also the first appearance in 10 years of a live-action Green Lantern. Now, I, and I was going to allude to that. Some people may be sitting on their, on their computers angrily wondering, well, are these guys going to cover everything DC? Yes, yes we are. So you betcha. If you don't like it, the door is somewhere wherever you're sitting. Open it and then leave. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, we're, don't leave. Just grin and bear it and be angry and yell into the void. Who cares? Uh, but anyway, no. Most people that, that that enjoy listening to us and watching us would appreciate this. Uh, and but yeah, we we could not cover. I mean, Star Girl would have got covered on this network regardless. Uh, we've covered it before. We did. You know, we did the. Uh, Spring break, uh, you know, uh, uh, one-shot issue. Yes. When they do Stargirl number one, which still hasn't been solicited for whatever strange reason, mm-hmm. um, but we know it's coming. When they do it, we'll we'll cover it, of course, uh, on on DC Comics Chronicles. Where where can they find that, Donnie? The DC Comics Chronicles. Where can they find that? You can find that right here on the Multiverse Musings. Vidcast, as well as the Multiverse Musings podcast network, available on iTunes and Podbean. Like, subscribe, remember to support us. We would appreciate it. Yeah, so, I mean, we're going to cover Stargirl, the comic, when it, when it does get going. Um, but it made sense for us to make it part of Emerald Echo, because as Donnie alluded to, this show, Season 2 of Stargirl, features the first appearance of a live-action Green Lantern in a decade. If you want to know how I feel about it, you can go to Issa Penarejo's Twitter page where she retweeted my reaction the night oh, yeah. that... You're that just going to live off that for the rest of the season, aren't you? That one retweet, that's what you're going to do. I was so happy, and I'm happy that she saw that and understood, at least from my perspective, how Green Lantern fans feel about her portraying a character that so many of us are so passionate about. So I'm sure she showed the rest of the Stargirl cast and be like, is this how, is, is this how they're all going to get? Like, this guy? But that would be funny if you became an on-set uh, like meme. It'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, no, but no, I, I, that was a cool <laughs> reaction. I loved seeing your reaction there. And I'm glad that uh, I'm glad she took notice. Um, but we'll get to more of Green Lantern or the Green Lantern portion of the show when we get there. <clears throat> but, you know, just to sort of give a preamble, because uh, I don't think the Vidcast Network existed when, when season one of Stargirl was happening. Or we no, just, we just that, started oh, that this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Just a preamble. I think, for my money, and we'll see if this holds up, you know, after next week when Superman and Lois airs its its season one finale. But season one of Stargirl, for me, could have been my favorite 
was is probably my favorite live action DC show. It was think? excellent. Yes, it's superb. So that's where I'm coming from mm-hmm. with season one of Star Girl. Give us, uh, you know, your thoughts on, on where you where you play season one of Star Girl. <laughs> I I really loved that show. Season one, somewhere I would put it probably neck and neck. With uh, Superman season one, which has also been excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, maybe I'd put them a couple notches below the Flash, but again, I haven't had. Uh, you know, I love the JSA, and I did like you know the villains that we saw last season. But now, if we're talking about some of more JSA members coming in, in particular Green Lantern characters, this could very easily for me become on par with the brilliance of The Flash and Superman and Lois. Right, right. Cool. <laughs> All right, so let's get right into uh, Season 2, Episode 1. Yes. So Season 2, Episode 1, you know, it starts off with a much different tone than what we were used to with last season. Mm-hmm. Almost like a horror movie vibe. It felt very Annabelle, yeah, with mm-hmm. the doll. With, yeah, with the doll. And that Alex is and Chris I, must have been watching this show with the whole. <laughs> you know, I, actually, was watching. Yeah. I thought about her when we you know when we when we well, first I think saw the, all the time, but that's not here nor there. Continue. When we first saw the doll, that's actually who I thought of. But yeah, obviously that scene, that's Eclipso. And we saw, you know, the, the darkness that's kind of following the JSA, that that's that's gonna be what is being built here is for the villain Eclipso as well as later on we'll see, you know, a reference to the Injustice Society. Yeah. However, that quickly transitions, which I thought was hilarious, from this, like, dark flashback to kind of the the peppy intro for Stargirl with the bright visuals and yeah. everything. Um, you know, I, I love when they do things like that. I, I just yeah. think that that's it's a, a lot of contrast. fun. contrast. Yeah, exactly. So... We see in the opening scene with Stargirl that Courtney Whitmore has fully embraced her role as a hero, perhaps to a fault. Yeah. And we see that develop throughout the episode. So whereas her friends are kind of struggling to find the balance and struggling to see why they're needed on a daily basis, she's trying to rally the troops all the time, even when there doesn't seem to be an impending threat. Yeah, it was interesting because there was no like they're on patrol and there's literally no threat. Mm-hmm. So the rest of them are like, "Look, we can still be the JSA, but we'll do it when there's a, when a threat arises. Now we can kind of go home, take a break." Right. And she's like, "No, no, we got to be vigilant because you know the JSA or the I, the I, SA could yes. still be out there." And she's very adamant, and they're kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, call us when there's, you know, we're we're going home. Call us when there's yes. when there's an actual threat." Yes, she's she's overzealous, but you know, obviously, she's a character who has a strong sense of responsibility, at least when it comes to being a hero. Yeah. Now we see later on that she's let some other aspects of her life kind of slip. Yeah. But another interesting thing we see is that later on, at four o'clock in the morning. She's going through a bunch of old JSA files. And she mentioned a villain that we recently covered here, Perdegaton, as well as Gentleman Ghost. Yeah. 
And so she's kind of, you know, she is obsessed to the point to where she's like, I, you know, I've got to, I've got to head off all of these threats before they actually happen. It's almost like she's inventing a threat. Yeah. Like, Whereas this guy Pat could is, pop up. Yeah. Pat's like, you know, you need to calm down and you, first of all, you need to go to bed and, and start thinking of life as not just as star girl, but as Courtney Whitmore. And she even mentions at one point, he's like, you know, you need to think about a career. And she's like, well, I have a career, a career star girl. Well, I don't think that's going to pay the bills. Yeah. I mean, unless Bruce Wayne shows up and gives you a a donation, (laughs) you know, uh, you're going to need to do something else. Uh, But what I found, what I liked about this whole plot point is that when you're when you're you're imbued with something like the cosmic staff, mm-hmm. and you're a high schooler, and now the rest of her friends are imbued with you know these trinkets, amulets, and such that make them the, the you know the second coming of the JSA. Right. While they're in high school. What effect does that have? And we're seeing that effect on all of them. It's showing you, if you're a high school and a, and a super a high schooler and a superhero, that's what it would be like. Yes. And I like the fact that they went to great pains to show it. So, like you know, like uh, Wildcat, she's still struggling from the choices she made in season one. Yeah. We see her. You know, based on the death of uh, Brainwave. Yes, Brainwave. Yeah, I'll have more to say about that later. But um, yeah. but you know, the fact that she's going, attempting to go to confession, or to sit in a church and pray about it because she feels so guilty about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the new hour man is is having his own struggles of uh, you know uh, of how to deal. The, you know. Um, um, Dr. Midnight, you know, she's she's kind of lost uh, Charlie, as it would be, in a sense, right? Yeah, she has she has been, she feels like she's kind of abandoned by everyone because yeah. her parents, they've kind of overlooked her. They're kind of wrapped up in their careers. And we also see not only does Chuck not know her when the goggles activate again, we also see that her parents are on the verge of a divorce. Right. And so, you know, you almost want to reach out and hug that poor kid yeah. with everything she's going through in this episode. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and the interesting thing, like, showing the trials and tribulations that these kids are going through, but also just struggling to balance homework and heroics. Mm-hmm. That's something important when you're dealing with teenage superheroes. Whereas, right. now... I think the Spider-Man comics, when he was in high school, did a fantastic job of this. Mm-hmm. The movies have kind of glossed over this aspect of Spider-Man. All of them, as much as I love the first two Spider-Mans. Sure, he's in high school, but what's really his concern in those movies? Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. It's the love aspect of it, not his, the rest of his life that, that's being yeah. focused on. Same with the Amazing Spider-Man. You know, it's, it's man, I want to be with Gwen, yeah. I can't be with him. And look, listen, Emma Stone would be my chief concern as well. Because, <laughs> hold on, wait, 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 wait. Because, if anybody didn't know, Emma Stone is on the list. 
<laughs> but so, but you know, those movies very specific, and then you know the, the Disney movies focus on how can I impress Tony Stark? How can I impress Tony Stark? That's what they're focused on. So, I mean, they're dealing with a high school superhero, but they're not dealing with the high school aspect so much. Whereas this is, and I like that. Yes. I mean, the subtitle of the season is literally called Summer School. Summer School, yeah. So I just like the focus they're giving it, is what I mean to say. This is not a crap on Spider-Man show because I like Spider-Man. Right, as do I. But you also mentioned Our Man. One of the subplots that we see here is that Our Man is hearing these newscasts about a bear going around to the various restaurants in Blue Valley. Yeah. and Or they assume that it's a bear. We see some scenes of him out in the woods looking at footprints and the the inference here is that it's actually Solomon Grundy returning. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so and, and I know, guarantee you the local townspeople wouldn't be able to bear it if it was Grundy. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm picking up on your 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 <laughs> I don't know if this is a good thing, but here we are. Right. Uh, you know, you you either like the the bad jokes here or you find them unbearable. Anyway, so <laughs> well, don't get me started. Well, it'll be like Jungle uh, Cruise all over again. We're gonna lose so many listeners. <laughs> so, well, let's let's have a little bit. Uh, let's go back and talk about Wildcat or slash Yolanda. Yeah, she actually is dealing with a very weighty subject that we see all through superhero comics. She is responsible, at least at this point of someone's death, you know, brainwave. Yeah. And so she's struggling with that, despite the fact that it's something that you would call, like, you know, in the field, an acceptable kill. Right. You know, yeah. she had no choice. But the guilt that she has, is it too great for her to bear? You know, just because everyone else says, hey, it's okay, you had no other choice, that doesn't mean that she doesn't still have a lot of remorse and a lot of right, complicated yeah, feelings yeah, yeah. over that. And so, you know, she is struggling to deal with that. And at the same time, again, it seems to be like, you know, a Calypso or some malignant force that's on her tail. And so that's a really interesting part of the show is that, you know, it's not just, you know, the, the kids dealing with their own internal problems. She's got that, but she's got something else complicating yeah. things. Yeah. So, so what did you think of that? Oh, no, I loved it, and, and, and because, again, like you, like you alluded to, it was in the field. She had no other choice. It was an acceptable scenario. But if you aren't disturbed by that, then wouldn't you be just as bad as the people you're trying to stop? Yeah, you know, we hear, you know, you hear soldiers and, you know, police officers talk about you know, when you've been, when that's, you know, your life for a while, when that's your profession, at some point the guilt becomes great and some people can deal with it and some people can't. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's a very complicated thing. And for a child, again, a teenager, yeah. dealing with that all of a sudden, I like this aspect because that's something that seemed very real to me. You know what it reminded me of too? It reminded me of, remember, you know how Daredevil often will try and reconcile the fact that He's a man of faith, but he's essentially, he's a man of faith, he's a lawyer, 
but he's also a vigilante who has to beat the living crap out of each uh, out of criminals, yeah. and occasionally may go over the line, you know, or straddles that line. It's a lot to deal with, and she's and the the the, the church, the confessional aspect, gave me some very good vibes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, I like I actually really like that scene too, where she just where she sat down and was just kind of opening up with her emotions, even though she didn't have the words. Yeah, and then she's like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "Not today." And she can't do it, and she ends up yeah. leaving. But yeah. she was just she was just there, like you know, letting all those emotions out. She didn't have the words to properly express it, but she still, you know, that that's a good aspect of the character is that yeah. her faith is still there. She went for some kind of absolution, some kind of answers, even though she didn't exactly know what that would be. Yeah, yeah. So, so back to the events of the show here. We talked about, you know, Courtney's problems. We see that she's let her English and history classes slip, and she has to go to summer school. She also has, she also has a, um, she has a, a run-in with Artemis Croc, yeah. which I, it is, uh, is this going to be a character? Is this, you know, the Young Justice character, the Archer from Young Justice? Will we see could, that character? Yeah. Could be. Yeah. yeah. So I just uh, that that name, you know, uh, yeah, happened to... a, Isn't there a hockey stick involved? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, she flipped her with the hockey stick. So. Which I was like, oh, hockey. It made me happy. And then I thought, oh, hockey. The Leafs lost the, the Leafs. first time again. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. No, I'm pissed off again. <laughs> but when, when she did trip... Uh, Artemis with the, with the hockey stick. I did put my arm up and be like two minutes for tripping, and then I carried <laughs> out the show. <laughs> so, I, I do want to want to say, uh, Breck Messenger here. She did an excellent job when when the camera like, you know, uh, went to a close up shot, and she had to sell, you know, the the angst of yeah. having to go to summer school. She did a great job with her facial expressions. Yeah, I and I gotta say the whole cast. Did a great job at displaying their 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 inner turmoil, the struggle, emotional struggle of what they were each going through. Mm -hmm. That's like weighty material that they all handled very well. Yes, I thought that was excellent. As I did our first glimpse of Joe McHale as Starman. Well, not as Starman, but that's who he is. Yeah. So I, you know, I really think that he's someone who I've you know become a fan of over the years. I love him on Community. And uh, I just can't wait to see him, you know, coming into the fold. This is what where I think this show could, and it's it's already great. But if they bring some of more of these original JSA members in, some of these classic Golden Age villains, Legacy, yeah, yeah. there is so much that this show could do. I just can't wait to see it all. Right, I, and I agree with you, but you also have to maintain a balance of, sure, not letting it become about the, the legacy characters completely. Like they can't oh. come in and take over the <clears throat> and take over the show because no, you don't want to supplant what's if already they do, been established. Then it becomes yeah. it's less about Stargirl and the new J JSA and more about the old JSA, right? Which, if you want to do that, just make an original JSA show, mm -hmm. which I wouldn't be opposed to. No, <clears throat> I don't know. That's like a prequel. You know, they always do spinoffs, but do a prequel series with the actual JSA. Sure. We could do that. But as we like saw with the Flash, you know, you have, you know, characters like Jay Garrick and sure. Wally West. They come in periodically, right. but they don't replace. But they know, don't Flash. take over the whole show like Iris right. is. I digress. Yeah, uh, but... <laughs> I knew where you were going with that. Poor Iris. Anyway, so 
another subplot we see here, Pat's new partner at his, uh, whatever you call it, his auto repair auto shop. shop. shop yeah. yeah, yeah. His, uh, <laughs> he goes into a room where he He's finds... He's a Yeah, exactly. He is <laughs> very nosy and very pushy, but a, overzealous, but funny. Yeah. I really like that aspect of you the know, character. You know, if that guy worked for Vince McMahon, he'd be fired. But... <laughs> Records the people that work for Vince McMahon are being fired. So yeah, it seems lately that uh, regardless of how good you are, Vince McMahon, if he just gets the notion, he's like, eh, you know, you're fired. So. I'd like to get him to come into the Leafs organization and fire Mitch Marner, but I, <laughs> I digress. Anyway, all right, let's not get derailed here. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be the, the it'll be the the left-handed rant all over again. So yeah, and that was fun. Okay, so as things come to a close. Late one night, Courtney hears a sound. She goes down to check on it, and we see... It sounds like here. story time with Donnie. <laughs> story time with the Emerald Enthusiast. I'm like, should I get a, a cup of hot chocolate for this, or what's going on? Uh, yeah, put on your onesie. So, yeah. Do you have a onesie? I'm just kidding. Anyway, so... I want to get, get a Batman Superman one. That's what I want to get. Just cut it, you know. If there was a Green Lantern onesie out there big enough for me to wear, I'd wear it. I don't think there is. <laughs> and we'd all want pictures to prove it. <laughs> It would have to be specially made. So we see a mysterious figure emerge from the darkness holding Alan Scott's lantern. Yeah, she's taken. And Exactly. And a battle ensues between Stargirl and this mysterious figure. And, of course, we know who this is. This is Issa Penarejo as Jenny Lynn Hayden, a.k.a. Jade Scott. And she identifies herself as Green Lantern's daughter. And I've got to say, my my wife said that she wished she'd had a video of me as this was happening. So do because, I. <laughs> because as I told you, I had, I had seen some rumors that she actually wasn't on the first episode. She wasn't on the premiere that it was going to be later on. So I wasn't sure this would happen. And all of a sudden, when I see this scene start to play out, when I saw the lantern, like I was actually standing up. And all of a sudden, I like started to shake and clench my fists because I'm like... Finally, it's probably looks something like that, yeah. but I'm thinking to myself, 10 years, 10 years, we've been waiting to see another Green Lantern character and Jade, one of my favorite characters in all of comics. I was so happy. I was just elated. Well, it's funny because you know me, Green Lantern is, is you know, I put him third mm-hmm. on my top, top five. Uh, DC characters, but also I would put them in that position in terms of char- comics characters in general. <clears throat> but um, so even for me, I was like, when I saw even at the beginning of the episode, when you see the the power, the lamp, the power battery, if you would, mm-hmm. it's more of a lamp than it. Right. In this case, with it's this lantern, lantern, lantern yes. it's more of yes. a lantern lamp than it is. Power better because Ola and the whole that that right. as far as we know, unless they've changed things in for Stargirl's purposes, that doesn't factor in yet. Anyway, yes. So just seeing it lighting up at the beginning of the episode in the darkness, I was like, ooh, ooh, you know, like, <laughs> right, doesn't take much to get me excited, folks. Uh, when it, when it comes to Green Lantern, there's been so little in live action that. Just the lighting of the lantern is enough to give me who, you know. And then when you see her, like, 
skulking in the shadows, walking out with it. That gets you pumped. But then when you see the face off and she's like doing this pose where she's like this, and you see the ring, I'm like, oh my god, this is badass. Yeah. And again, much like I say when we cover wrestling in a, in a, in a wrestling match, what I think was great about this fight and how it was choreographed is that both combatants, both Stargirl and the Cosmic Staff and Jade and the Lantern mm-hmm. get, and pun coming in, pun intended, get, a, get their chance to shine. Right. <laughs> like, neither of them looks like the Brooklyn Brawler here. Right. Know, about to do the job or, or already standing in the ring with no entrance music. Yeah. Like, they both look good. They both come out of it looking strong. And you need to have that because both of these characters are, are, are you know, are, are, are leads in their own right, I think. And both both mystical weapon or both magical, mystical, you know, weapons that they're, they're holding are top-tier formidable in their own right. So you have to find that balance. And I think the show did. Yes. And I want to say, I think, Green Lantern fans are extremely lucky to have Issa Penarejo, who has a dancing background. Yeah. She is very athletic, and you can tell that yeah. even oh, from yeah. that very short fight. Oh, she yeah. is just, she is an amazing athlete. Right. And if you go online and see some of her stuff, it's outstanding. But uh, Jade is a creation of Roy Thomas and Jerry Ordway. She is the daughter of Alan Scott, the sister of Todd Rice, a.k.a. Obsidian. She debuted in All-Star Squadron number 25 in 1983. That's a comic that I have. Oh, the same and year I was born. That was a good year, my friends. Very good, good year. year. <laughs> good, good vintage, I'll tell you. I'm not biased yeah, so at all. I don't, you know, we actually have decided to do a, a special episode covering the origin of Jade and yeah. covering some of her key comic stories. But I will say this, in the comics, she has powers that she inherited first from her mother, a woman named Rose Canton, who had some plant-based powers. So she has that. That's also responsible for the the green tint in her skin from the comics. Okay. Uh, she gets power from her dad, who his again his battery powered by the Star Heart. So she can create constructs and things similar to the Green Lanterns, even though she doesn't need a ring. However, there was a period in her continuity. Volume 3, where she actually did take over as Green Lantern using her ring. I don't know how much of that we're going to get here. Like, you know, with her mother, you know, being, you know, having the the personality where she's a villain, the villain being Thorn, and then, you know, giving Jade and Obsidian up for adoption, and Alan doesn't meet them till later on. How much of that is going to be dealt with, I don't know. That'd be interesting to see her, the mother come in as a, as a part of the uh, uh, ISA. It could be. I'm wondering, based on the clips that we saw for next week, we saw seemingly maybe the battery explode. I wonder if maybe like the battery is going to like explode into her, and that's how her skin becomes green. Is you know the energy like infecting her? Could be. So yeah. Could be. But Jade is just you know she is a really fun character. You know she is somebody who's. You know, been collect, been connected with the Green Lantern Corps. You know those characters. She was also uh, one of the main characters in a title called uh, Infinity Inc., as well as the Outsiders. 
she wasn't present in the new 52. She just came back after Doomsday Clock. We saw a number of heroes come back after Doomsday Clock. So we've seen her recently interacting with her father after her father came out as a gay. Uh, she has just endless storytelling possibilities here. I'm just so happy and so grateful that we get to see this character being presented in live action. I'm just, I'm so elated. I'm so happy. So it was, it was just fantastic to see. And most of them were, most of what we saw was green energy blast. Like we didn't see specific construct in this episode, but right. it still looked pretty like from a visual point of view, it looked pretty badass. Yeah. What well, now we did see, we did see a construct in the previews. We saw yeah. her making kind of a car. Right. I also like the fact here, they're not kind of as like tight and rigid looking as we saw with the 2011 movie, there, there's kind of like, you know, this ethereal aspect to them, yeah, fluid, yeah. which is fitting because, again, the star heart came from chaos magic as opposed to the super science of the central power battery. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. No, sure. What so a great I, way. Yeah, and then, yeah. I only rewound that and played it and watched it about 50 times, I think, so. And I'm not shocked that you did you did that at all. It really didn't shock me. And that's the episode could have ended there, and I would have been happy, but it didn't end there. No, we see that Dragon King, that she has the Eclipso gem, and she goes into this secret room, and she's looking at candidates for the it new. It goes through her through her locker. Through her locker, it's a secret passage. I like that. I wish I had a secret passage. <laughs> Passage through my locker, it would have been kind of real cool. That that would have been awesome. Yeah, I love that you know little aspect of the show, and we see that she's kind of weighing candidates for a new injustice society. Yes. Yeah. And turns out, Star Girl was right to be concerned because the villains aren't far. No, they're in her school. Like like mm-hmm. again, she tripped one of them with a hockey stick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she bumped into the other. She uh, one was the is the returning uh, son of of uh, of uh, Rainwave. Yes, thank you. Uh, and then a shocking candidate turned out to be her stepbrother. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. What's going on there? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Why is he on the? Right. Why is he? Why is he on the list? And. Where is my copyright infringement? Because that's a list. And you should have that. But anyway. Um, that's not a multiverse wives list, though. That's no, much different. but it's a so. multiverse ISA member list. So it's kind yeah. of yeah. We are on Earth 2, part of the multiverse. There's a list. See? The connections I could sue. Well, actually, I can't because then Jericho would sue me and it would be a whole thing. So yeah. <laughs> let's not go there. But yeah, no, it's very interesting to see. Where there's gonna, where it's gonna go, and why why Pat's son is on the list? Mm-hmm. I'm very curious. But yeah, so I guess you know this is the point in the show where we talk about ratings. Yeah, I I, I think it's important to like admit your biases here. It, I would give the show an A rating regardless. Yeah, but seeing Jade in live action, I was just so elated that I, you know there was. Even had the show been bad, I probably would have given it an A anyway, but I really do legitimately think yeah. that this was a perfect way to lay the foundation for season two. Yeah, yeah. So you're going ahead and giving it an A. I'm giving it an A plus. 
Oh, I ain't plus. So the plus is for green, the Green Lantern stuff. That's what you're saying. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, for anybody tuning in for the first time, if you can't tell that I like Green Lantern, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm shocked, really. <laughs> you know, um, the, you I, know, now, the now I just want to say, just to point out, I I don't have a Star Girl shirt, uh, but so to, to to I wore a Wonder Woman shirt. If you can see, you can see here. I like it. Kept I like it a the, lot. Yeah, yeah uh, kept with the uh, the theme of strong women, you know, the whole nine yards. Had to show support there. But, you know, I just finished saying, I, yes, I love seeing the Green Lantern content in live action. <laughs> yes, I just finished saying he has a, you know, a prominent place on my list of favorite list of characters. He's third. So I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily say I have the inherent, you know, bias that Donnie admitted to. You know, had they brought in Bruce Wayne or Brandon Roth Superman in this, then I would have said, I would have made the disclaimer that, that you know, that Donnie had to make. So I don't have to make that disclaimer, and I'm still going to give it an A+, plus because, I, again, I found, like, Nothing bothered me. Nothing. Nothing turned me away. Nothing made me say, "Ooh, that's." I would have done that differently. Yeah, it's a perfect start to season two, and for that reason, I'm giving it an A plus. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a wrap up of uh, of uh, episode one. We will definitely be co covering uh, uh, the the remainder of season one. Uh, but um, in the meantime, before we, we come back with new episode reviews, you can continue the discussion about Jade, Stargirl, or anything DC-related with Donnie and I on social media. So, Donnie, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter as The Emerald Enthusiast. Let's talk comics. Let's talk collectibles. Let's talk Green Lantern. Awesome. And if you want to chat with me, you can add Adam underscore Lee's fan. The show also has its own Twitter handle at MMNPDC. We also have a Facebook page, which is in the link description in the description below. I should say the link is in the description below. Click it, ask for permission to join. I'll add you. And we can continue the conversation there. But until next time, remember that. Stargirl is forever. From the first time she rides the cosmic staff <laughs> to the last. To the last. So long, everybody. So long, everybody.